falls mainly on the plane. <laughs> Very good. Um, I, Where I think is the plane? Okay. The, the plains of well, I know what the plains of Africa is because I'm a big fan of Toto. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 81 of a Sideways Life podcast. I am Al. I'm Leanne. And we've been travelling since 2017, probably left the UK 2013, so we've done 46 countries, about 120 Airbnbs, about 250 places we've stopped, and how many gins have we drunk, Leanne? Oh, thousands. <laughs> Good times. Well, this is part two, isn't it, love? Yes, it is. So part two of the the first part was episode 80 last week, um, which was 76 things that might catch you out in Spain. Now, you might be wondering, why are we talking about Spain? Well, we've been here for summer for three months over Spain. It's the place that we learned the we've got our best language skills in Spain. We've spent so much time in Spain, about five years in Spain, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, probably maybe even a little bit more over the years. Yeah, and so last week we talked about uh, we sort of grouped all of these things, these 76 things that can catch you out into different categories. Last week, we talked about culture. We talked about eating and drinking. We talked about language. And though we went through each one of those categories, went through the things that both of us have found something that would just catch us out as a, I suppose we are foreigners, we're guests. We keep talking about this guest idea, don't we, Leah? Yeah, I think that's important. If you are new to expatting, nomading, traveling, expatry, sorry, excuse me, expatry. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good mindset to to have to remember that you are a guest in someone's country. If if some cultural norm isn't to your taste, that's on you, my friend. So today we're going to talk about transport, talk about weather and living, shopping, and then the last two bonus rounds are things we can't get get our heads around. Let's say this is just us as guests. We're we're not used to this. Um, And then things to avoid, to avoid um, upsetting the locals. Um, So we'll come on to that. So do you want to kick things off with transport, Leah? Sure. So transport. Now, this might just be applicable or raise an eyebrow to the people in the world who continue to drive continue i think we started didn't we whatever let's not get into that there's countries in the world that drive on the left hand side of the road um as you know most of continental in fact i think all of continental europe drive on the right hand side Mm -hmm. um but if you are from australia if you are from pakistan i want to say indonesia but that might not be right i don't think indonesia but i think that it is in um either thailand or myanmar or one of those thailand it's thailand of course, um, then yes, you will you will be used to driving on the left hand side. And you may have noticed that the same when you're walking down the street and you pass somebody, you'll stay on the side that you're used to driving. So if there's if there's not, you know, you, you kind of someone's approaching, you go left, they go left, you pass seamlessly, you don't get that weird, oh, oh sorry, sorry moment. <laughs> In Spain, they walk on the right. Mm. And I guess it's because they drive on the right, right? Mm. Yeah, and we found that in lots of lots of European countries, people will come to pass you. We're walking towards you, and they will pass you with you on the right. They'll pass you on your left, and you try and do it any other way, and they look at you as if you're a bit weird. Um, and so, yeah, I think walking on the right is a very it's a, it's a bit of a weird one. It's a very strange one, but um, um, but still, it's just this it just seems to happen in Europe. It does something something to be aware of. So the next one I've got is parking. Now, when you park in a public car park or on a street or something, in a lot of Europe, particularly in Spain, 
you're going to get something called besos, which is kisses. And that's a very euphemistic way of saying someone's going to basically crash into the back of you or the front of you at some point in time. Yes, I think it's important to know that in Spain, bumpers are a functional part of your car. <laughs> They're not there to look pretty. They're there to bump. And I, I think my favourite thing is when you're, you're sat in a cafe somewhere and near a square or near a road and you're seeing someone parking, they're just slowly bumping the car in front of them forward an inch so they can get in. We actually saw one dude pick up an entire <laughs> motorbike and move it. Brilliant. So parking, um, yes, there might be private parking with your apartment, but even that's not safe because we stayed in like uh, Sevilla, I think we stayed in, mm-hmm. in the underground car park and we came back down. And to be fair, our car at the time was maybe about eight or nine years old, um, but there was a huge big scrape along the front of it that matched perfectly the Mercedes that was sitting next to us <laughs> in the car park. And they had a similar corresponding scrape on the front of his um, and or hers. And it was just essentially they'd come in and gone, oh, it's tight in here, isn't it? Oh, goodness. Yeah, I've just caught that car. Never mind. Let's go and have a uh, have a beer. As I mentioned, remember as well, if you are if you are driving in Spain, particularly once you even, do you know what, even in some of the big towns like Seville, Granada, Malaga, but particularly if you go up into the country, into kind of, um, mountaintop villages or Pueblos Blancos as they're known the roads are tight mm. they are so, so so I can't even tell you how tight it is like you'll you'll see a wall going down the side of the road and it's just it's just like splattered with different shades of paint where people mm-hmm. have scraped their mirrors it is so tight even even us now I think we was with it last weekend we basically just held our breath the entire time getting to our car our car center um, so bear that in mind. If you are bringing a brand new car to Spain, try not to be precious about it because it it, it will get some vessels. It will. It will. Okay. So what's number, what's number three? Number three is buses. So if you want to get public transport, and you should, it's very affordable. A lot of them are hybrid now as well, so good for the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want to jump on the bus, chances are, depending where you are, you will need to get a plastic card and charge it up, a bit like an Oyster card in London, right? Charge it up mm-hmm. with money and then you tap it um, on the sensor when you get on the bus. In certain cities, they will also accept cash, but typically you'll have to have less than five euros in change if, if you want to pay in cash. So worth bearing in mind. And in terms of tapping it up, usually at the little kiosks you see, tobacco mm-hmm. as you can normally um, top them up, maybe the odd little, little corner shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and often it's a, it's it's quite a bit cheaper, maybe sixty percent of the price if you do pre-charge your card. Um, if you're staying in Airbnb, just ask your host; they'll tell you where to get a card. If you're using Android uh, phones, then you can charge them from your phone. If you're using iPhones, we discovered that uh, Apple doesn't allow that because it's um, got so a monopoly on the. I don't know why they don't. There's some technical reason, but it's probably just because Apple are a bit greedy. <laughs> anyway, so moving on with these then. Um, we certainly we found in Spain and in a lot of other places, public transport still insist on masks. Uh, we were in Luxembourg. We we went waiting for our last uh, bus home from the centre of Luxembourg to maybe, I don't know, maybe three kilometres to our house. And we didn't have a mask with us. We got on the bus and we got kicked off. Um, so uh, always take a mask with you and there's a good, very good chance you're going to get kicked off. If you don't get kicked off, you'll probably look, to, look at very, very judgmentally, I think. Yeah, and I think that's probably a good thing. I mean, particularly in the UK, I understand, you know, I don't think those masks have been there for a while now, apart from maybe in hospitals, but there are a few places in Spain where they are still required, public buildings included, um, and pharmacies, which kind of makes sense, actually. Makes perfect sense. So what's your next one? 
Uh, my next one and our last one under transport, sticking with the public transport system, is trains. Mm. There are some wicked high-speed trains mm-hmm. in Spain. So if you are coming um, and you don't want to bring your car but you want to travel around, don't worry too much. Yes, to get to smaller places, it might take some time or you'll need to hire something. But if you're going from city to city, there are some incredible train links malaga to madrid for example is about three hours to barcelona is about five hours and it's so far away it's insane um and really quite cost effective as well yeah and they they have the speed in the carriage the, the, the carriage is really nice they're like sitting on a plane on a nice plane um and it's got the speed above the carriage so it'll show you the little lcd display how fast you're going which i think it was 245 kilometers an hour i think at one point on yeah. our train very fast Speedy. okay so the next section is weather and living and we'll we, we'll whiz through these because i think most people know that the weather in spain is incredible most of the time the rain falls mainly on the plane <laughs> that's true that's true <laughs> <laughs> very good um I, Where I think, is the plane um in the sky I don't know what. I don't know. Oh, anyway, carry the, on. The plains of well, I know what the plains of Africa is because I'm a big fan of Toto. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> what a tune! <laughs> so, first thing you need to know about weather and living is that the beach is a big thing. The Spanish, understandably, do not fuck around when it comes to this. So, Leanne will probably tell you some stories, but basically, you, what you'll find is you go to the beach and forget the whole putting your towel on a sun lounger thing. Amateur. Yeah, amateur. What the Spanish will do, they'll turn up with, a, with literally a gazebo, a trestle table, if not two, um, a barbecue, six or seven different cool boxes with drinks, with chicken, with whatever in them. All these different chairs that fold down into the size of a postage stamp. <clears throat> Excuse me. Fold down to the size of a postage stamp, but they fold out. They've got everything you could possibly need in fact, to have a day at the beach. And they do not mess about, do they, Leah? They really don't. It's quite it's quite impressive the um the setup that you all see on the beach. Um particularly if you're going to more local beaches. Um so if we're still talking about Spain, east of Malaga, for example, you're gonna have a lot of this type of setup, local people going to the beach. You're not gonna have as many like beach clubs with the some beds that you can rent and then stuff like that of course west of malaga when you're talking like costel sol you will so you'll probably be all right there but yeah and it's expensive as well you know those little beach chairs Mm. some investment in that so yeah if you're gonna if you're gonna go the beach like a local yeah and they bring the whole family so it's not so you'll you'll see there'll be like 17 of them all sitting around a trestle table at two o'clock eating uh, eating what looks like restaurant food that they've just basically brought out of their uh, out of their their bags um so it's, it's a wonder to see if you are in malaga area then as leanne said go west if you want to go and see the tourists and and pay for your sun lounger per hour or by the hour go east if you want to go to a place called la cala de morales um or el rincon or even el palo um and you'll see the uh, you'll see the spanish doing it Spanish style. That sounded a bit weird, that. That sounded a bit rude, that. <laughs> it is epic. It's an amazing thing to see. And finally, this next one might might maybe contradict what I've just been saying, but typically summer during the day is all about avoiding the sun. I think that's true, really, that you'll, you'll probably see less and less people on the beach if you're somewhere local in August, just because it gets so freaking hot. <clears throat> but in terms of the daytime, I mean, it, it really depends where you are, but we've been slightly in the interior and we've been looking at 36 most days mm. 38 to 39 some others 
Sunday, I think we were nearly pushed 40 and we couldn't actually go outside. It was just yeah. too much. And everyone else is the same. Towns are quiet. Everything is quiet. The summer during the day is just about avoiding the sun. If you are outside, look out for those beautiful, particularly in Sevilla and Granada, they have bars and restaurants with outdoor air conditioning. <laughs> they just like squirt like mist of cold, cold water mm. at you. It's um, it's delicious. Um, but otherwise, yeah, you, you're avoiding the sun. You're certainly not sitting out in the direct sunlight at 2 a.m. Because you will... 2 p.m. 2 p.m., yes. You will catch fire. You will. So they do things like drop the blinds during the day. And you'll find there'll be all kinds of things. You'll find that a lot of um, traditional houses have got very small windows, um, which means that they are quite dark houses, but they also stay quite cool. Um, so um, going on to the opposite side of the year, winter is not that much fun. Going back to these, like, this idea of Spanish houses having small windows, they are very well insulated against the heat. But it also means that there's there's very rarely central heating in houses in Spain. Um, the nearest you probably get is the air conditioning, which will turn onto heat if you want. But that's an expensive way of doing it. So what the Spanish traditionally tend to do <laughs> is they have like a big circular table that can fit maybe eight people around it, and it's got if that's pretty small, maybe like six. And you'd be like touching elbows. Fair enough. So six people sit around a circular table. The circular table has like a skirt on. So you basically put your, you lift up the the the, the, the material that's attached to the table, put your legs underneath, drop it back down again. And underneath is usually a fire. You know, it used to be old, it used to be coals back in the old days. Now it is um, electric heaters. Um, I, there's a particular name for this. And I for, I'm really sorry, I've forgotten. I should have researched, but there's a particular name for this. Um, but you'll often find that families will sit there and stare at each other for about four months over winter, um, play cards and obviously talk because that's what the Spanish do. Yeah, winters are chilly wherever you are. And I think that's, that is, as I said, the problem that typically Spanish houses are designed to keep the warm out. Um, so, yeah, some good things that we did. Um, if you don't want to sit around the little table, uh, you can buy like the old gas heaters you know, like, like your nan used to have, <laughs> with, like the grates and stuff. You can buy those quite cheaply. Gas is real, real cheap here. You're looking like, what, five, six euros for a canister that'll probably last you at least six weeks being on almost constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's pretty good. Electric heaters can be good. And as I said before, you know, dropping your blinds, opening your blinds in in summer, getting that that sunshine through and, and helping to warm the house up. But it is chilly. Get yourself some warm clothes and a big old duvet for bed at night because it is cold. It is. Okay. So, um, and also, by the way, siestas aren't always about sleeping. Um, they are, uh, um, they're just about breaking from the sun, getting away from the sun. So you'll often find like two o'clock in the afternoon, you think, oh, maybe it's nice. I've had a, I've had a busy day at work. I might nip out for a drink. Good luck if you're in the campo because that's the countryside because, um, most places are closed or they will be closing at three o'clock because, um, particularly in the weekday, because that's the hottest part of the day and they don't want to stay open standing there in black trousers and white shirts. Absolutely. And I think the last thing to say about the weather, particularly in summer, is flies and mosquitoes are a part of everyday life. And there's lots of paraphernalia that you can buy from sprays to plugins to candles to fly squatters to fly squatters. You know, that the swatters, sorry. <laughs> they do squat the flies though, they do. Um but yeah, and particularly September is awful for flies, so just uh, prepare yourself. Yes. 
And it's one of my favourite things is to go around killing flies. And uh, do you know, I, I might just put off a section of our um, of our audience who are flyologists, perhaps. I don't know. <laughs> but okay, so moving on to the next section, which is shopping. Now, this is this brings in some interesting, some interesting quirks. Um, the first one is, and it's going to sound a little bit racist when you say this, Leah. So I'm going to make you say this. What's the first one? <laughs> so there, are, there are a lot of shops you know like imagine in the uk i'm not sure what they would be in in the us and um get in touch tell me what your equivalents are but in the uk you get things like your pound lands your home sense your you know you just your shit shops that have everything <laughs> shit shops. but they are they're like you can get you can get a watering can you can get some moisturizing you can get nappies you can get like a tin of dog food you can get <laughs> pillows you can get everything from the shit shop mm-hmm. um well in spain they're usually branded as Chinese bazaars. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'd be called like uh, Bazaar de China or, or something similar. Lucky Seven. Lucky Seven, yeah. And and what we have come to learn is they're not always actually owned by people in the Chinese community in Spain, but they're branded in that way by other Spanish people who own them. It's all, it's all a bit odd. But if you need anything, as I said, super glue, you want to go to the beach, you need all your paraphernalia for that, <laughs> go to the Chino. Honestly, they, they are usually vast, huge places with everything you could possibly imagine. Really cool places. And uh, yeah, as you say, stationary, the lot is brilliant. Okay, um, the next one is that if you're used to coming from uh, particularly Northern Europe or I'd imagine the US and, um, and Australia, Supermarkets don't open until 9am and they often close to close at 2 and then reopen at 5 and close at 9pm. So those of you who like getting up early and going and getting the shopping, um, it's not going to happen in the supermarket. But there are local shops that tend to open a bit earlier. Um, whilst we're in the supermarket, then um, the majority of supermarkets, they, they, there is a self-check for fruit and veg. I'm not saying that very well. When you get your fruit, your 16 oranges, for example... Excuse me. You get 16 oranges, for example, then generally in the UK, then um, you will have those all prepackaged. Whereas the majority of fruit and veg is you have to go and weigh it yourself, put in the um, put in the code and then it prints out a sticker and you put it on your bag. I, I feel like I've made a meal of, of, no pun intended, a meal of that, Leo. Have, have, have I explained it properly? No, exactly that. So if you have, if you have loose fruit and veg, typically in the, in the UK, especially you'd, you put it in your bag, you take it to the checkout and at the checkout, they will weigh it and they will price it up for you. In Spain, you have to do that yourself in the fruit and veg section. Same in Croatia, actually, for not everywhere, mm-hmm. but for some stores. I cannot tell you how annoying it is to be stuck behind a tourist with a mountain of fruit and veg and they haven't weighed anything because they, it's not like they can weigh it at the till. They have to then take it to the customer service or back to the fruit and veg area to weigh it out and everyone's just like standing there and you look like the biggest tourist in the world and you feel embarrassed and behind you like, oh, so remember, weigh your fruit and veg. Exactly. Places like Mercadona, Carrefour, um, all those, make sure you do it. Okay, so what's next, Leah? Next, um, if you don't want to go to the supermarket, then there are towns um, where the supermarket will come to you, um, <laughs> including Malaga. Certainly, once you get up into the country, into the um, into the little villages, uh, bread, gas, vegetables, fruit, water, um, you can all get it delivered. They'll either come past your house, at usually around the same time in the morning, and give you a little toot toot to let let you know that they're there. You'll run downstairs. 
Um, or with, um, I think particularly with things like water and gas, you can actually um, arrange for them to be dropped off. So that's quite nice. It's like it's like delivery, but a bit more impromptu. Definitely. Going back to supermarkets, though, if you do prefer to stay in supermarkets, and let's be honest, it is a little bit, little bit, um, you feel a little bit safer going to a supermarket because you can see where everything is. Whereas I went to the bread van man yesterday um, and uh, and I only know like six different or four different types of bread and he didn't have any of them. And I was like, oh, so I ended up having just to buy something which I thought was what I wanted. Uh, but if you do go back to the supermarkets, then just bear in mind that a lot of them have parking underground, particularly the Mercadonna's, which is great. Keeps your car nice and cool. But you will often have to, to get a ticket and validate it at the um, at the till. Um, so I know this isn't a new thing, but just bear in mind, there's nothing more annoying than going down. <laughs> we thought it was annoying behind being stuck behind someone who weighed their fruit and veg, but stuck behind someone in a car who hasn't validated their ticket and then everyone's having to reverse up. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't be don't that guy. Don't be that guy. Okay, what else you got? So I'm going to group these next three together because they're yes. all kind of around payment etiquette mm-hmm. um so in, in smaller shops and this is something we actually saw as well in australia in bigger shops as well um but in smaller shops especially they will tend to round up um so if your bill comes to four euros 95 and you give them five euros chances are you're not getting any change mm-hmm. if you do get change then actually the custom is typically there's a little plate next to the till that you'll often see like little one cent coins or five cents or ten cents coins in and usually the etiquette is if you do get change you you pop it on the little plate so that next time somebody is in because they'll they'll round up but they'll never round down so if your shopping is then five euros five cents and you haven't got five cents you've only got your five euros it's perfectly acceptable to look at the little plate take the five euros off and give it to the five cents off. sorry this five cents not the five euros quite <laughs> right you've got five euros you take five cents <laughs> from the plate and then and which is quite nice actually that's quite a nice idea um but yeah particularly in, in petrol stations you see that and in petrol stations as well just be mindful that in about 60 percent of them i'd say you need to prepay and also some of them, particularly in the country, they'll come and actually fill you up like they did back in the 80s, mm. um, which is quite cool. OK, so these next couple I'm going to group again together because we've already mentioned that supermarkets close in the afternoon. Uh, particularly there's something called Coveran, I think, which is like a kind of a spa franchise where um, there's lots of little shops, local shops. Um, they will almost certainly close in the country in the afternoon. If you go to a town or a city, then quite often you'll find that the bigger ones won't close, but they will have a quiet hour. And this is a bit <laughs> a bit of a strange situation, but the idea is that there's no music. It's during the siesta hours and you can go and shop, but you can't like, you shouldn't bring children to scream or whatever, because this is just everyone's chance to have a little bit of quiet time, um, which is obviously very welcome for introverts like us. Yes, very civilised. Very, very civilised. What have you got next? Um, I think just to finish off the shopping thing, did you know that if you have a can of pop or even a can of beer and you buy it from the shop, you'll pay more if that can is cold? <laughs> I learned that the other day. I was like, what, really? And quite a bit more as well. Like it was, I'd already bought my can of Coke, looked around and saw the fridge because I couldn't see the fridge. I was like, oh, there it is. Asked if I could swap. And she said, yeah, of course, but it's a euro more. I was like, a euro? You are right. I'll call my own can at home. Thanks. Well, you say that, but you've been shopping in the wrong place because I went to my favourite little place in Arcos um, where they love me because I went in there asking for an orange and they only had one scranty, scrappy old orange sitting there. And I said, it's just my gin and tonic. And she went, you can have it as a gift from me. And I went in there the other morning to buy you a pop and there was a cold Coke, but no cold um, Sprite. And so I took a warm one to the counter and she went, she said, wait, went under the counter 
took a cold one from the fridge under the counter and swapped it over for no extra cost. Well, clearly I am shopping in the wrong places. And the last thing we've got to say about shopping before we move on to the things we can't get our heads around and things to avoid is that... Um, there is a, you'll see on the streets, a lot of people who are selling lottery tickets. There's kind of like three different types of people selling lottery tickets. There's the lottery office where all they do is sell tickets. You'll find that the Spanish do like a lottery. There's like 17 different types of lottery. So there'll be those and they just go in there and you buy a lottery ticket. Then there'll be people wandering around selling lottery tickets. They'll have a stamp on the back often. And what they've done is bought it from the, um, uh, from the lottery office and then going around and trying to resell it g- generally to tourists for a bit more. Um, so, uh, so unless you, I mean, you might want to support those people. Uh, some of them are a little bit down on their luck. Um, so in that case, that's fine. But just bear in mind that you are paying more than face value. And the final type is something which I think I've, I've only ever seen in Spain. It's called, I want to say Once. It's spelt O-N-C-E. And it is generally the people who sell them are in some way disabled. And so, um, and you'll find that they will sell the tickets and a proportion of the profits go to help out um, the disabled, which is a really, excuse me, a really nice way of doing things. Um, So if you see them, they're usually in green. If you do want to buy a lottery and you fancy giving back to someone, then it's definitely worth buying from them. Um, and there is something called the Lottery um, Lotteria Gordo. Is it El Gordo, is it? El Gordo, yeah. Which is the Christmas um, lottery, which is like a massive lottery. It's People are buying it in August uh, for this lo- Christmas lottery, and they are that's the big one. It's called El Gordo, which is Spanish for the fat one or the rich one. I, I'm not sure which one it is, but the big <laughs> one, basically. Okay, so that concludes, I think, shopping. Now, should we talk about things we can't get our heads around? Yes, I think by things we can't get our heads around, it's like maybe when we first got here, we were like, what? But then, you know, it's just these little quirks and we're not saying it's wrong. It's just like, huh, okay. I think the first one was when we um, we first came over to this part of the world was when we were planning our wedding and we actually stayed on the border of Gibraltar and um, went into Gibraltar and it was early December but it was beautiful. It was maybe like 22 degrees during the day, bright blue skies, a bit of, you know, a bit of a nip in the evening, but the days were beautiful. People in Spain do not dress for the weather. They dress for the season. <laughs> and we've had this confirmed by some local Spanish friends that we've made. Um, so, for example, if it's December, people are wearing like warm clothes, big coats, scarves, trousers, boots, the lot. It's December. It doesn't matter what the temperature is. It's December. Similarly, if you get a cold day in July, they're wearing shorts and t-shirts. It's July, my friend. Exactly. It's um, it's it's a beautiful sight, and 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 I kind of I kind of admire them for it because the Spanish are generally very very stylish nation. Particularly if you go to Seville or you go to Barcelona, you go to those places. They're amazing people. Um, and so why not show off your winter clothes even if it is twenty five degrees outside and you're sweating like a? I don't want to use that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know an appropriate way to say sweating like a, apart from Very the ones warm that, person. Apart from the ones that my friends and my dad used to say, which I'm pretty sure were okay in the seventies and not okay now. All right. So the next one is it's a bit weird, but um, petrol stations have smoking areas outside. <laughs> and if you're from particularly the UK, can you imagine stepping outside your BP 
and just lighting up a cigarette and just like tapping away in your cigarette while someone about three to six feet away from you dispenses petrol. You, you still can't smoke when you're dispensing petrol, but there is a smoking area outside petrol stations. So don't be too surprised when you see that. You'll also find probably there's a tapas area as well because most petrol stations have some kind of restaurant or tapas um, attached to it. Which is the thing anyway, actually. Restaurants, I think we talked about this in the food and drink. Restaurants can be on the road and they'll look a bit a bit run down, but they're actually usually pretty good. So what have you got next? Um, so next, I think, is kind of a bit around the the economic position, position around Spain or situation with Spain. Um, and I guess the preconceived notions that you have as a foreigner when you look at statistics. Um, so statistically, yes. There is high unemployment in Spain. There is particularly high youth unemployment in Spain. That said, there are a few different aspects to this that we feel, and again, talking to local people, feel that actually the statistics may not be giving you the full picture. So, for example, people don't tend to buy houses here. They'll tend to inherit them from their family, from their grandparents, from their parents. They'll get passed down generation to generation. So while income may be lower, whether on unemployment or in employment, they're typically not paying rent. On top of that, multi-generational living is really, really common. So it's unlikely you're going to get somebody in their 20s living on their own. They're probably going to be living with their siblings, with their parents, with their grandparents, with their auntie and uncles. Um, it's, it's quite typical for, for that to be the case. And if they're not living in the same house, they're living very, very nearby. The other thing as well is particularly in places like Andalusia or tourist places where there is a lot of seasonal work, a lot of cash in hand work, which is the same in the UK, let's be honest. Um, I think there's a case of officially people are unemployed, but unofficially they're working at their auntie's cafe or their brother's bar or their dad's barbers and getting cash in hand. Or well, I'm usually well studying as well, actually. Education here is is quite a big thing, isn't it, right into your early 20s? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I don't know if this is probably a function of the fact that the average income or the average provable income is relatively low, but cars are not status symbols here. As we've talked about before, your car will often have Bessos on it, though Kisses, um, where someone else has smashed into it. Um, but it's just not a thing, really. I mean, it might be now in Madrid or Sevilla or somewhere like that, but generally you go to a medium-sized town or smaller and and the kids are knocking about in seats that are older than them um, because it's just not a thing they just don't care about the car whereas i think i know definitely in the uk and i'm pretty sure in the us and australia and canada is that you know the aspiration is to have this bmw 5 series whatever there's no point in spain because number one it's going to cost about twice as much um, because it's really expensive to buy cars in Spain. Um, number two, your auntie's probably got an old Ford Fiesta that she's going to give you for nothing. Um, and uh, and number three, it's just going to get scratched and bashed. So people, so cars aren't really status symbols. So and that also has like a, the other thing to it as well. Which bear in mind that you don't, if you see someone in an older car, a twenty year old car, and he, and this let's, let's just say a fella, he walks, he jumps out of his car, his shirt is misbuttoned up, so he's got buttons in the wrong thing. Um, he's stroking the back of his head looks like he's, he just doesn't know what the hell's going on he could well own like half of the village that you live in which is like our old landlord who looked like he lived on the streets and actually owned the majority of the village didn't he <laughs> hola pepe como estas <laughs> i doubt that pepe i doubt listening. pepe listens but yeah no absolutely 
Um, and I think that's the thing, you know, you you might be quick to judge when you look at certain statistics. You might be quick to judge when you see certain cars. You may be quick to judge when somebody is 13 living at home with mum and dad. It's a different culture. It's a different thing. You can't apply the standards of where you're coming from to another country. It's just not fair and it's not right. If you really want to know, ask, ask some polite, respectful questions about somebody's life and how they live. And yeah, like you said, it's perfect example. You don't, you don't judge them based on your own standards and you people in spain don't have this status thing of having huge houses that they can't really afford having cars that they can't really afford whereas in the uk our feeling is when we go back is more and more people are buying things they they don't really want (laughs) with money they don't have to impress people they don't even like and i think it's just the opposite over here in spain so Um, As Leanne says, do not judge anyone. You could be talking to someone who's got three times as much money as you and they could be driving around a 25-year-old Peugeot 205. Yes, so moving on. Let's talk for American listeners, the holidays. So Christmas, other festivals, things that go on through the year. There are many, many festivals that happen in Spain, usually around something religious. Um, so yes, if you are, if you're whatever time of year you're here, you'll probably see some kind of festival, which is really cool. The great ones and the big ones to look out for is the annual ferrier that will happen in a lot of towns um, and cities, usually over a few days for a week. If you do go to the ferries, um, they are massive. They'll take over the entire city or they'll take over an entire fairground area. Uh, Just bear in mind that they will have bars in that area where you can buy drinks and food. Typically, particularly for drinks, it's not a cash bar. You have to go somewhere else and buy your little raffle tokens first and then um, and then go to the bar. So just bear that in mind because, again, you don't want to be that person who just ordered a load of drinks and you can't pay for them. Just don't be that person, you know. Um, and the other thing as well is Christmas. Christmas is incredible in Spain, but also very different in how it's celebrated. Al, would you like to take that one? Yeah, I mean, without going into, because it is quite different in the north and the south, and it's also becoming a lot more westernized. Well, I don't say westernized because Spain is west, but it's becoming a lot more sort of anglicized in that Christmas is Christmas Day is now Christmas Day. But traditionally, um, the children used to get their presents on the 6th of January. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Then there is a um, there's a big parade um, and it's called uh, Los Reyes. What's it called? Yeah, it's the Three Kings, isn't it? Yes. So three kings. And so, um, again, <laughs> there'll be one of those kings will you will possibly be in blackface. I, I don't think yeah. it's in any way. I mean, I don't believe in any way it's, it's offensive. It's just if you're <laughs> if you're going there, you might go, OK, well, there's a Spanish guy um, usually with boot polish on his face. It's just the tradition. Um, so they, one of those things you just you, you can't you just can't get your head around. What this category is about, you can't get your head around it. But OK, OK. Christmas Eve, they tend to eat um, big family meals on Christmas Eve. As you can imagine, in a very Catholic country, um, it's all very family orientated and it's around the kids. Um, and so Christmas Christmas is an amazing time to come, to come to Spain. And if you have the opportunity, definitely come to Spain. Granada is a great one. Malaga is mm. another one. Um, come along and just stay for like the the 10 days over over Spain. It's got two advantages. First of all, you get away from your family and friends. <laughs> for some people, that's a good thing. But secondly, you're going to experience something totally different. Um, and I think that it's such a great opportunity to see how the Spanish celebrate. Um, you've got to go to on the 6th of January to the uh, Three Kings Festival, where generally they'll it'll be like an old fashioned 1980s float coming through. Basically, Christmas pride, but for Christmas. 
That's a really good way to put it, yeah. <laughs> people and the people and one of the fun things is that the kings coming down there will will have huge bags of boiled sweets they will fling in your face and so uh, it's potentially you might lose an eye. But, um, <laughs> the idea is the kids have all got bags and they try and catch them or pick them up off the floor, but they are typically boiled sweets. So they will, yeah, if you, if you catch one in the forehead, quite sore. There's also a cake as well, which um, has got things in it. It's a circular oh, yeah. cake in, a, in like, a, imagine a big, a big party ring. Do you know, we've <laughs> talked about this before. Have we? We've talked about this over Podmas. If you're interested about Christmas in Spain, go back. I believe the episode is called Feliz Navidad. There we go. <laughs> go listen there. We talked about all of this with all the right names and everything. Okay. So things to avoid, to avoid upsetting the locals. This was one which was specifically asked for by Tom, because I, 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 I'm hoping that Tom's not looking to do these things. I'm hoping Tom's looking to avoid these things. Um, but he was asking us, what is it you could possibly do by mistake? That would, that would offend a local. So do you want to kick things off, Leah? Yeah, I think the first one is probably quite an obvious one, is assume that everyone speaks English and do that weird Brit abroad thing of speaking to them more slowly and louder and assuming then they'll be able to understand you. Um, don't, don't do that. No. Um, one of the best phrases you can learn is, do you speak a little English? Hablas un poco de inglés. And that will just help somebody to then say, Either if they have a little bit of English, go a little bit, but not much. Or they're going to go, yeah, of course, you want to speak in English? Fine, what do you need? And you're like, okay. But it's just that polite way to ask. And if people don't, then, you know, use your Google Translate. The app is amazing. Now you can type it out, you can speak into it. Just just do your best to to converse on an, on an equal playing field rather than just demanding or assuming that somebody else will speak English. I think that's good, that's good advice no matter where you go in the world. Um, okay, so number two for me is don't go shirtless, even in beach bars. Um, I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't have that much. If, if a woman wanted to go shirtless, I wouldn't have that that many um, arguments for it. But I think, that, like for example, someone like me who's a 45-year-old, uh, slightly flabby white man whose boobs hasn't seen the sun ever, then I wouldn't ever consider doing it. But there are people who um, who come on holiday and they're obviously, in terms of chestily, they're much better looking than, than, than I am. Um, but they'll still wander into beach bars with a shirt off. And it's just, although it's not, although it's not like they wouldn't get kicked out or anything, it's just a little bit of respect for someone's business. Now, I mean, we are talking more traditional Spanish. Again, east of Malaga rather than west, you go to Marbella. And that's an expectation, I'd imagine. And no, nothing. I'm not shitting on my bayer. I'm just saying that's kind of what happens. But when you go into a restaurant or a bar, which is somewhere that's not particularly touristy, just stick a stick a shirt on. Just you don't have to button it up. Just stick it on. Absolutely. And I think that I mean the next one we we've got here is not taking uh, people at face value, like assuming somebody is unemployed, poor, um, whatever other words you want to assign to it. Um, just don't make that assumption because chances are they are on half the village and that's the person you need to be busy mates with to get mm -hmm. a really great place at a really good price. Um, so yeah, don't make that assumption. I think the only other thing that I'm saying, and it is unavoidable, you can't avoid it, but avoid getting angry about it. And that is the bureaucracy in Spain. Mm. Paperwork is a thing like paper, not like online. Some of it is, but most of it is actually physical bits of paper that you need to go and get notarized. Do we even know what that is? <laughs> I didn't know what that is until we moved to Spain. You basically take this office called a notary and they're everywhere where you go in with the person who has also signed this document, 
they stamp it for you. They give it some kind of fancy seal. They scan it. Basically, it means they're going to put it onto the government, local government records that this is an official document, legally binding document. And then once you have that, you can apply for other things like like your NIE or your residency here or buy something. Or it's, yeah, paperwork is everywhere. It takes ages. These notaries usually don't open for about 20 minutes every other day. <laughs> um, so just avoid getting heat hepped up and angry about it. There's nothing you can do. Honestly, nothing you can do. You just got to follow the system. I think we said this before when we talked on the Croatia podcast. If you can financially afford it, um, investing some money in somebody who is local, who knows the system and knows how to navigate it, it is well worth doing and will save you a lot of time. But either way, just go with it, my friend. Bureaucracy is, is real and it ain't going anywhere. And before going to the last one, I was going to add to that is where, as well is that often if you need to pay for a government service, they will give you a piece of paper that you need to go to a bank and pay yes. at the bank with this piece of paper, then go back with the stamp to the government service. And and generally what will happen is you'll find the pattern will be you'll go to the government service and you'll queue from nine to 11. You'll get your piece of paper. You'll go to the bank and you'll find the bank is closed So that because everyone's gone for breakfast. Then you come back about 12, the bank is back open and you'll get your stamp. Then you'll go back to the government office and find that the guy you were talking to has disappeared off for his breakfast. And then you'll queue, queue, and then they'll shut at two o'clock and you have to go back the next day. Yeah, and and that's and that's on a good day. The other days are when like the process just doesn't even make sense. Like, do you remember when we got the the dangerous dog license? Oh yeah. Something else to look into as well. There's lots of dogs in Spain that are classed as dangerous in inverted commas. Dog breeds. Um, dog breeds that aren't classed as dangerous in in other places in the world. Rottweilers being one of them. Um, but it was one of those things where we we had to we couldn't get him microchipped unless he was insured, but we couldn't get him insured. Unless he was microchipped. <laughs> and it's like, well, how does that work? And of course we can't apply for license until he's both microchipped and insured. <laughs> so it's like, well, what do we do? And in the end, I think we just explained this to the vet and she was like, yeah, okay. So I think she put a microchip in to get the number, but then didn't register mm. it. So then it's, there's all these little loopholes you have to go, which is why you don't be a dick. Be nice to everybody because you never, ever, ever know who you might need to call on, a local you might need to call on for a favour to navigate this whole crazy world. Absolutely. And the last one before we wrap things up is that the back, certainly in the 70s and 80s, there was a stereotype that um, uh, the Spanish were lazy because I'm guessing because they, they took a siesta. Um, I'm sure you're not thinking that for a second. Um, but you might, if you apply your your home thinking to Spanish thinking, then you might go, well, I can't believe that they are taking the whole of August off. This family is shutting their shop and disappearing off for August to go and live by the coast. You know, that's not, that's not the way to run a business. Don't think like that. Don't start applying your own values to someone else's life. Because the fact is that they're, number one, August is a horrible time to work. Number two, if they're going to close between two and five, there's a very good chance. And number three, more importantly, they value things much more importantly than um, just, I don't know, being the richest person in the graveyard, being the, um, you know, having the coolest car. They don't care, generally, they don't care about that kind of stuff. They care about family, they care about having a great time, and they care about when they put them in the ground, they've got a hundred different stories that, that they can tell about them. Here, here. So I think that concludes. We've gone on a bit longer. We're aiming for 20 minutes. We've gone for 40. But there was a lot to get through in that one. There was a lot to get through. But I think it's, yeah, I think the headline is 
don't bring your don't push your norms onto somebody else and you'll be absolutely fine exactly and that works for spain anywhere in the world probably works for your home country as well okay yeah, it does actually <laughs> don't be a dick don't we covered be a this dick. in the last episode <laughs> okay so next episode which is episode 82 we're going to be talking about how we became the luckiest digital nomads in the world now you didn't see my fingers when i said luckiest i was doing those little rabbit fingers going luckiest because the complete bollocks we're not lucky but Ooh, spoiler alert man <laughs> i'm tuning now am i i thought i was gonna find out how you're lucky but now what it turns are... out it's bullshit from the start <laughs> What you will find out is why we think we're lucky, <laughs> um, even though some pretty bad things have happened to us. And so we'll Ooh, that's a good teaser. Leave it there. Yeah, yeah, leave it there. Okay, so we'll see you next time. Bye, Bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.